The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you ever stopped to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful to be here with and for you today. You are all part of a global community with fellow listeners in literally every corner of the world. Thank you for being here with and for me and for continuing to spread the word to your friends, relatives, and colleagues. A special note of gratitude goes to the 20,000 people in 1,000 regions across the globe who listened to our show in the first three months of this year, and specifically to our listeners around the world in Singapore, Germany, and Ireland, and in the states of Rhode Island, Utah, and Nevada. Welcome and thank you all for your continuing support. Because you keep tuning in and listening, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit is a top-ranked show here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the oldest and most widely listened to online talk radio network. Thank you for listening and making this show success possible. And now for your tip for the week from my ebook, 33 Tips for Self-Empowerment. I wrote this book because when you are self-empowered, you are connected to your limitless higher self, your soul, as you learn to hear the still, small voice within over the loud voices of others, you will begin to feel at peace. Because your limitless higher self has direct access to the divine, it is through this connection that miracles occur, like unexpected healing healthy relationships, and wealth. So please use these tips. My tip for this week is in honor of our topic today. Ask yourself, do I want this? This is a good question to ask when you're allowing yourself to experience life at a deeper level. Sometimes we get caught in thinking we want what other people have or what others want us to have. This question will help you discover what your true desires are. This is a question about things, people, experiences, even feelings and thoughts. Getting clarity on what you really want will help you develop into the person you want to be and find the peace, joy, meaning, and blessings that have eluded you so far. 
My last workshop was very well received, and I was grateful to be able to share the information that I have spent decades learning and implementing in my life. It's one thing to know information. It's quite another to help people use the information in ways that will better their lives. As we were leaving, one participant who has come to my last three workshops mentioned that she drives two hours each way for my hour and a half workshop. You have to be really committed to your own growth to do that and also know that it's worth your time and energy. I applaud her on her dedication to her own development and I'm grateful she chooses to keep coming to my workshops. My next one will help her and others continue the journey of living the life they really want. This one is connecting with your soul, moving beyond guilt, shame, and blame. Fear is the absence of love. The two cannot coexist in the same moment. Self-blame, shame, and guilt are all aspects of fear. Each of us can choose to stop creating our own hell and start living in joy. It's an internal feeling that is not determined by external circumstances. By connecting with your soul, you can let go of the negativity in your life and attract what you truly want, including healthy relationships, peace, wealth, and physical health. In this workshop, you will learn how fear shows up as anger, guilt, shame, blame, self-criticism, and resentment, and begin letting go of these and other harmful thoughts and emotions. See every experience as a blessing. Learn how thoughts and emotions affect aging, DNA, and memory. Learn a five-minute simple daily technique to increase IQ and emotional well-being. Gain new energy by releasing negativity. Learn strategies to use on your own and leave feeling lighter, happier, and at peace. We'll be at the Center for Spiritual Living in Dallas this Sunday, May 15th. From 2 to 3.30 p.m., if you don't live in Dallas, contact me to present this workshop or another one in your area. Choosing to be positive, choosing to think, see, feel, and act in new and healthier ways is the heart of Uplift Your Life Nourishment of the Spirit. We all have choices, but we can't make the best choices for ourselves if we don't know what the options are. This show provides you with new information on health and healing with an emphasis on spirituality and the connection between our thoughts, emotions, and physical and mental health. We can all choose happiness, gratitude, abundance, love, peace, and positivity as we allow ourselves to know the truth of our own experiences and feel the pain of our past or present life and let it go. We open ourselves up to the joy of being fully alive in every moment. We change the energy in our body and literally become younger and healthier, feel lighter and have more energy. We truly know and feel the joy, beauty, and love in our lives. My show helps you do that by providing you with new information, 
perspectives and techniques, inspirational stories, and guests who are thought leaders in their field, like our guest today, Brad Warner, who will help us make sense of Buddhism. Last week, we spoke with Dr. Matthew McKay, the tragic murder of his 23-year-old son, Jordan, drove him to seek out answers. In the process, he discovered information about the unseen universe that he would not have trusted previously. As a researcher, he was skeptical about the existence of an afterlife. His search changed all that when he found a way to actually communicate with his dead son on an ongoing basis. They have had over 100 conversations, have completed one book, and are in the process of writing another one together. Matt has learned that the soul is eternal, that we have all lived many lives, and that we are here to grow in love. The surprising insight is that Jordan said that we learn love through pain. Since we are all one, as we grow in love, we add to the love in the universe. Thus, as we create more love on earth, we add to the love in the heavenly planes. If you ever thought that you don't matter, this will change your mind. To learn more, including how you can communicate with your loved ones who have passed on, Listen to last week's show by going to my website, paulajoyce.com, and click on radio show at the top of the navigation. You can hear this show or any others that you may have missed or want to listen to again. That's the beauty of having the shows on demand. You have easy access anytime, day or night, allowing you to listen when it fits your schedule or needs. My silver lining story today is about the flood that I woke up to in my kitchen yesterday morning. Well, that may be a little bit of an exaggeration, but there was definitely a puddle of water and it was growing and it had found its way into my living room. I pulled out the towels and tried to contain the damage while I waited for the plumber. They finally came, and since it was going to involve a lot of noise and several hours of work, I decided to run some errands. When I came home, I discovered my furniture in disarray. They had left a message that they couldn't find the leak and to contact them when I had another flood, which could be in two weeks or a year from now. Needless to say, I was not pleased with the prospect of putting everything back just to go through it all again. Immediately after I discovered this disturbing news, a friend called. I told him my frustrations and said, I'm really having trouble finding a silver lining here. He was sympathetic, and then I started shifting internally, and my thoughts started finding the silver linings. Well, maybe this relates to what I overheard as I was leaving the grocery store. A woman was telling the cashier that now everything is a blessing. She can go to work. She can feed herself. She can get out of bed. 
At the time I heard this, I thought, I need to share this with my listeners. But now I'm thinking, maybe it was a message for me. This woman had clearly just gone through a serious physical challenge. Whatever is happening in my home, it's nothing compared to what she went through. So, yes, I do have a lot to be grateful for, including the friend who called it just the right moment. Some things you can't change. All you can do is accept them and find a way to make the best of the situation. As I was finding all that I had to be grateful for, which included the men who helped me make some order in my home, I realized that my dead uncle had been a plumber. So I asked for his help on the other side, along with my regular guides, to resolve this situation quickly and effectively. Within the hour, the water started collecting again, which in this case was a blessing. So now the plumbers are back. That left me with writing to do and effectively being evicted from my home for who knows how long. So I went to the local bookstore, but being a short person, the tables are the wrong height for me. When my back hurt too much to continue working, I moved to the computer-friendly restaurant a block away. The table height was a little better, but still not good. They closed at 10, and I still couldn't work in my home. That's when I got my best idea. I remembered picking a speaker up several years ago at a nearby Marriott courtyard. I knew it had a lobby and I could work there. I wasn't sure exactly where it was, but I felt confident I could find it. And I did. In fact, I drove right to it. I still wondered if I could find a comfortable spot to work, but at least I would have a place that wasn't going to close. I walked in, found the computer area, which, of course, didn't work for someone my height. I tried three different tables and then finally found a couch in the shape of an L with a movable throw pillow. I struck gold. This was it. There was even a plug for my computer. Now I was comfortable. As I'm writing this, I realize that except for a few minutes of frustration, the whole process was kind of an adventure. Maybe not one I would have chosen, but it certainly wasn't traumatic. The kindness of numerous people along the way, coupled with a positive and healthy perspective, made it relatively easy. Had I gone into extended frustration or anger, I would have gotten my work done. I, would, I wouldn't have gotten my work done, or maybe I would have, but not very well. I would have had a very unpleasant evening and probably would not have finished my work or slept well. I proved to myself that I am now in a place where I am in charge of how I respond, the quality of my experience, and ultimately my life. Keeping a calm demeanor and positive attitude allowed me to think clearly and keep finding exceptional, acceptable options until I found a really good solution. The silver linings kept piling up. Making sense of the big questions in life can be challenging. Often acceptance is all that works. I wrote this in March 2000 and called it Life After Death. Well, now, who have we here? This is a youngin. 
oh, I do hate it when they send the little ones to us. I wish we had another detail. Now, the elderly, that's easy. You know they've had some years to live, to love, make mistakes, learn, maybe even have some joy or real bliss before they're called to leave their bodies. But when it's a little one, I always have this feeling that it isn't fair. I know they have more lifetimes, and this isn't the end end, but it's so much harder for the little ones and for me. They just don't understand the way an older, more mature person might. Okay, okay, I know. Enough of my complaining. We have a job to do, so let's do it. I'm ready now. You start at the feet. I'll start at the head, and we'll work our way to the middle. She still doesn't know what happened, where she is, or even that she's dead. Do you think she was really meant to come back here this soon? She's so little and innocent. Look at this horrible hole in her body. We'll have to get her patched up. She doesn't want to wander around up here with that hole in her. I'll stop the bleeding. You talk to her. Get her kind of oriented. Maybe you could play that beautiful lullaby her mom used to sing to her. I'll fabricate the rocking chair and hold her. Maybe that will soothe her some. She really still needs her mom. What can two old fogies like us have to offer her? She was so loved in that family. They must be in sheer agony. Maybe we can send an image of her down there to hug them and comfort them. The whole situation is so hard to understand. Okay, okay, I'll bathe her now and massage her tender feet. That'll comfort her some. You explain about that boy and the gun and how her death really does have meaning. Was it preordained? Well, how do I know? You need to be a few levels above us to be trusted with that information. I don't think I want to know. It's too complex. My just... My mind just folds in on itself when I try to understand these things. Why would anyone want this little girl to die? There would have to be other better ways to learn. This is too harsh, too cruel. Would our God really want this? Yeah, yeah, I know. But can't you do better than that old Buddhist story about the farmer and his son who every time something happened would say, it could be good or it could be bad. We'll see. Well, I see this little girl and it feels bad, even though I know it isn't. Please give her a hug and me too. Our guest today, Brad Warner, has been helping others make sense of Buddhism in easily understandable and often humorous ways. He's the best-selling author of Don't Be a Jerk and numerous other titles, including Sit Down and Shut Up, Hardcore Zen, and Zen Wrapped in Karma Dipped in Chocolate, in addition to being a Soto Zen Zen priest, Brad is a punk bassist, filmmaker, Japanese monster movie marketer, and popular blogger based in Los Angeles. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. While listening to the commercials, click on the link to read about and register for my workshop, Connecting with Your Soul, Moving Beyond Guilt, Shame, and Blame, or to schedule one in your area. 
Then click on store to purchase my ebook, 33 Tips for Self-Empowerment, and go to calendar of events for your question for today. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Brad Warner, who will help us make sense of Buddhism. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I always appreciate hearing from you, my listeners, and as a top-ranked show, when you choose to advertise with me, you reach hundreds of thousands of people. If this interests you or if you want to become part of the conversation today, please call 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. I value you and what you have to say, so please let me know what's on your mind and heart. And I hope you wrote down the things that frustrate you or cause you unhappiness. And I'm so pleased to welcome Brad Warner, who's here to help us make sense of Buddhism. Welcome, Brad. Hi, how are you? Great, and I really am um, I, I, happy to have you here. I think this topic is so very important. Uh, one thing that confuses me is that many of us think of Buddhism as one thing because we hear one word, but in yeah. fact, it's a lot of things So, and a lot of sex. Could you help us understand some of that a little? Well, yeah, the, 
The main thing to keep in mind is that Buddhism is about 500 years older than Christianity, so it had 500 more years than Christianity to develop different variations. So, you know, if you can consider Christian scientists and Mormons and, uh, gosh, who knows what else as under the broad umbrella of Christianity, that's what you've got in Buddhism as well. You've got, you've got hundreds of different versions uh, that, uh, that all claim to be the one true Buddhism, and that's uh, that's also true for for Zen Buddhism, the Soto style of Zen Buddhism that I study and practice in. Uh, Dogen, who founded the sect and who who uh, founded it in Japan anyway, uh, and uh, and and who's who, who's writing I'm writing about in my new book, is um, he was very insistent that only the version of Buddhism that he taught was was the real Buddhism. He didn't like it to be called Zen Buddhism. He thought it should just be called Buddhism. So, you know, there's there's uh, there's lots and lots of, of Buddhisms out there. So how did you find that th- this particular sect that obviously speaks to you? I guess I, I found it by accident. I was a, a punk rock bass player, as you said in the introduction, in uh, Akron, Ohio in the early 80s, and I was a student at Kent State University and took a class called Zen Buddhism, which I mainly took because I thought it would be easy, and uh, it really changed my life. And the the, uh, teacher there was a guy named Tim McCarthy, and he was about 10 years older than me, so there wasn't that big age gap. And, And it was more his personality and his take on the thing that made me interested in it and made me kind of able to overcome the uh, the sort of difficulties and uh, contradictions uh, of it because it is it is a very contradictory thing sometimes um can you expand on that a little bit about its contradictions right um, sure the uh, one of the hard parts of uh, Dogen, whose philosophy I wrote about in, in Don't Be a Jerk, is that it is uh, full of contradictions. He'll say one thing and then tell you it's the opposite, and then he'll tell you it's not even that way, and he kind of uh, does that a lot throughout his writings. And he's trying to point out that, um, well, if you if you want to talk in terms of logic and uh, rhetoric, you have to say things are one way or another, and that's how we we're, we grow up learning uh, how to uh, how to communicate with one another. You know, you have to kind of pick one aspect of a thing and say it's that. But the the problem is things are never one way or another in in real life. Things are always contradictory, and life itself is is contradictory. It doesn't fit with our rules of logic. And so we we have to understand that the rules of logic are there for the purpose of communication with one another, but don't necessarily uh, reflect how uh, the universe actually works. There's an order, there's a, there's scientific laws and principles and things like that which are which are true. But then we overlay that with this with this insistence of. Uh, of of describing things to each other in one particular way each time so that we can understand each other, but that's not the way life really is. 
Well, and in fact, linguists about 15 years ago or so started talking about actually getting rid of the word but and using and because the way we speak causes us to think in those dichotomies, whereas in fact, uh, it's it's not either or, it's more often and. And the language that we use helps us to understand that. Yeah, and, and Dogen really tries in a lot of ways with the kind of warping the Japanese language into his own uh, thing that he's, he's kind of invented, and, and that's what makes him hard to understand because he <clears throat> he brings out these contradictions in a way that not too many writers uh, did before or since. So he's he's really, he's really difficult in Buddhism. Zen Buddhism, especially, is one of the most difficult forms of Buddhism because it's very twisty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one thing that I found fascinating as I was uh, reading your book and the chapter Don't Be a Jerk, where you talk about the five precepts of all um, Buddhism, all sects of Buddhism, and then five more that are specific to many others. But they're all, I shouldn't say but, and they're all in the <laughs> in the negative. So, don't be a jerk, don't kill, don't steal. It's all about, it sounds to me, it's all about what you don't do without guidelines of what to do. Well, yeah, in a way, it's often phrased that way. There are are teachers these days who have written their own versions of of the 10 Zen precepts you know, the first five, which are common to all forms, and then the other five. And uh, they they will, um, they'll say, do not kill, but affirm life, or something like that. And they, they try to give a positive with the negative. It's, it's sort of a tradition to give it in the negative. But the, the, the precepts are mostly guidelines for behavior. They're not rules. The, uh, the Buddha, when, when he first formed the order of what we now call Buddhists, they didn't call themselves Buddhists at the time. Uh, they, there were no specific rules. And when something would happen that would cause a conflict or somebody would, you know, worry about it, uh, they'd go to the Buddha and they'd say, well, what should we do? And he'd, he'd give them a specific answer. And after a while, there were hundreds of these, and they were extraordinarily specific. Like there's one that says it's okay to run up a tree if an elephant is chasing you, but not otherwise. You know, these kind of, you know, they became ridiculously specific. And so uh, a few hundred years after uh, Buddha died, some folks, I'm not sure, their names are lost to history, uh, decided to kind of truncate these into into more manageable form by addressing the, the overall aspects of them. That's how we got five five precepts plus five more precepts, all about that. And they're not really, they're just sort of like when your intuition fails you on what to do, you're supposed to remember the precepts and go, okay, well, there's a precept for that and I'll follow that. <laughs> so the, the and and you summarize all of those precepts into what is the title of your book? Don't be a jerk. So tell us how you came up with that title. Well, Dogen wrote a a piece 
which is they call the fascicle, the uh, people who know more than me about Dogen, uh, called Shoaku Makusai in Japanese, which means more or less don't enact wrongdoing. And he, in that in that piece, he explains that the that he thinks the main teaching of Buddhism is just don't do wrong. And 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 someone he he cites in a historical debate between two Buddha, a Buddhist master and a student. Uh, complains that even a three-year-old child could say that, and the master says, "Well, even a three, yes, even a three-year-old child could say that, but it takes it, it's hard work for even a very old person to follow it." So <clears throat> it's a very basic thing. And what I did with this book is I Dogen's Shobogenzo, which is his masterwork, is something that even scholars have a tremendously hard time understanding, and and I tried to put it in my own contemporary language. And to me, the best way of translating Shoaku Makasai into sort of contemporary English in the 21st century was Don't Be a Jerk. And and, uh, and, and so that's how I got to the title of the book, because it, it seems to sum up a really important aspect of, of Buddhist philosophy. Well, it, it sounds like a really important aspect of just being a, a, a human being to to um, to uh, yeah to to not do uh, and and I um, that gets me to one of the other things that I find so fascinating is that it felt like what you were saying is that it's about doing versus being. Um, yeah, and and so I wanted. Would you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, that um, that was a little bit of a, I don't know, something I thought about when using this. Don't be a jerk, because I thought "don't be a jerk" was such a nice, concise phrase that that I had to use it, but I didn't want to imply. And I, I wrote this in the in the book that there is something called a jerk that you turn into. Uh, the same way, I don't think there's something called an enlightened master that you turn into. This is a more pervasive problem with a lot of people who get into Buddhism, is they imagine that there's some kind of perfected state, that once they reach that perfected state, then they'll be able to continue with it without ever regressing or having any problem. They imagine it's going to be a magic uh, turn. And in the same way as, as you're not a jerk, just because you do something jerky, you're you're not an enlightened master. Just because you had an enlightenment experience, as as they're calling it in the you know in the magazines these days. So so it's 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 more about what you do, and it's it's an ongoing thing. This is the part that maybe is the reason I probably sell fewer books than I could otherwise. Is is I always insist on on the fact that. It just it, it's a it's a lifelong commitment. It's not there's no magic solution that's going to happen that's going to fix you, but uh, but you can learn a new set of habits. And once habits kind of take over, then uh, then it becomes easier to to maintain, easier but not you know instantly. Just there it is. Yeah, so there's no magic pill that we take, and and it becomes um, life just becomes easy and glowing and and perfect. It, it also reminded me of when my children were young, and 
we were being taught to be a good parent. You, you, we were supposed to use the language when correcting our children that didn't um, talk about them, but talked about the behavior. So, you know, that that's um, a, a negative or that's... Um, that's not a good or appropriate thing to do, but it's not that you're a bad person. It's that that behavior needs to be extinguished. Yeah, hate hate the sinner, not the sin, as the Christians say. I think I think it's okay as long as you're understood. People uh, people sometimes have trouble with Dogen because he's very forthright. But once you understand what he's saying, it becomes a little easier. He's not. Uh, He's not kind of uh, telling you you're you're a bad person, but he's he's not he's also not kind of letting his readers off the hook very easily, which is which is another thing that makes him difficult. He's a little prickly. Well, if one wants to continue to grow and evolve, then we need to be willing to look at all aspects of ourselves, which is probably the hardest thing to do because uh, we defend against, we feel badly enough already about ourselves that it's hard to then be self-aware and really look realistically at our own behavior and look at what we're doing that's creating negativity in our lives. It's all, yeah, it's always hard to do that and come to terms with it. The, the type of meditation that we do is this thing called shikantaza, which is completely undirected. There's no goal to it. Nobody kind of talks you through it or, or there's no guidance or anything like that. You just sit silently with yourself. And this can be really difficult for a lot of people, but it's also a very good way to, to sort of face yourself. You know, the first few sessions you do of it, maybe even in months or years, you're, you won't really often get a lot of... Uh, understanding of what it is, but once you do start to gain the understanding, the understanding that you gain for yourself is is deeper than what you'd gain if somebody told you what to do. So that's, you know, this, this kind of observation of yourself can be, uh, it can be a little scary at times because you start to realize that you're not what you thought you were or what everybody told you you were. And the good thing is, is that we, if we can learn to do it without criticizing ourselves or seeing at, uh, seeing whatever it is that's come up as some horrible deficit about ourselves, but as just something that, oh, now that I recognize that, I can do something about it and become yeah, more of who I want to be. I'm sorry, go yeah, ahead. I- I, I tell people often that, 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 that when they're meditating, people when they're meditating often judge their meditation, and mostly they judge it harshly. They go, oh, I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it. And they'll tell themselves over and over that, and then they'll use that as an excuse to just stop. The problem is those thoughts that you have of judgment of I'm not doing it right, those are no better than any other random thought that's going through your head while you're meditating. It's, it's just another thing that's happening. And, and it's really hard to start to view your own self-criticism that way because you just go, oh, it's just another, just another thought in my head. Uh-huh. 
um, beautiful. And this is a, a perfect time for us to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. While you're listening to the commercials, click on the link to sign up for my newsletter. You'll receive the free chapter on my ultimate creative problem-solving process from my best-selling book, which will help you release hidden fears and blockages to hearing your soul, your true self, your inner wisdom that Brad is talking about here that comes up in the meditations process that he's talking about and the process that I use also helps you get to that and heal at deeper levels and getting what you truly want in life this process came to me in that space that Robert Moss talked about between sleeping and waking it continues to be a gift that helps my clients heal more profoundly and at a more rapid rate than would normally be expected now on your paper write down what you're going to do to change your frustration or unhappiness. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Brad Warner, who's helping us make sense of Buddhism. Be the change. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission. Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I hope you wrote down what you're going to do to change your frustration or unhappiness. And I'm so glad we're here with Brad Warner, who's helping us make sense of Buddhism. And 
talking about his new book, Don't Be a Jerk. Also, he can be reached at hardcorezen.info. That website is hardcorezen.info. Brad, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> um, I am loving this conversation, and some of the five um, precepts that you talked about, um, or I should say the ten precepts, one of which was don't criticize others. Um, Would you talk with us a little bit about that? Sure. That's that's always a tough one uh, because... You, if, if, for example, if you look in the writings of Dogen, sorry to keep bringing him back up, but he seems no, very that's critical. Good. <laughs> he, well, he seems very critical of others' people. He's 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 quite uh, strongly critical of certain other Buddhist teachers and of of certain aspects of what have been incorporated into Buddhism that he doesn't think belong there and things like that. So he's he's a pretty he's a pretty critical person. And yet he, one of the precepts he gave to all of his students and he took on himself was this idea of don't, don't criticize others. So it's not, it's not a sort of blind, you, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing because you, you have to understand how to be critical. You don't, you don't attack people for being people, and you don't uh, you you follow the basic rules of of politeness and decorum and all of that. But that doesn't mean you you just simply let things go when they need to be uh, they need to be addressed. So so that that's a kind of a one of the things I've seen that's happened in contemporary Buddhism that I've been a little. Uh, I don't know. I've been criticized myself about it. Is I've seen some things that I think are going terribly wrong with it, and I've said so, and then people will come back to me and say, "Well, you shouldn't criticize others because you're a Buddhist," you know. And 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 if we let that happen, then we're not we're not doing ourselves any favor. So so it's kind of a it's kind of a nuanced precept there. You you have to be very very careful about this aspect of criticizing others because it'll it'll backfire on you and it, and it just becomes uh, a problem uh, for everyone involved and makes people feel bad and so forth and so on but you you also have to recognize that there are there is a time and a place for for criticism so it's a, it's a little bit it's one of those contradictions again i suppose well, and I think it's also how we communicate, whether we speak in the first person, whether we speak about, you know, you um, and an and attack or whether we're stating our opinion. And I think um, there's a term that I really dislike that's uh, um, constructive criticism. To me, it's an oxymoron. There's a way to state one's opinion. There's a way to help teach. If our goal is positive change and learning, criticism shuts people down. I don't think it's constructive, but is but there is a way of sharing information that can help promote positive change. 
Yeah, that's that's something it's something Dogen addresses. He doesn't talk about it in the book that I wrote about, but there's a there's an old saying recorded of him saying something like if you're in an argument and you know that you're right but the your opponent won't give in, you don't have to falsely admit that you're wrong. You should just let the argument drop. And and that's and that's kind of his his approach uh to these things. And when you when you read some of the stuff where he is he's he's highly critical of somebody and he'll he will say just kind of exactly what you cautioned against, you know, you are this and you are that mostly in if you know the history of it he's talking sort of rhetorically to people who've been dead for hundreds of years you know who wrote <laughs> something so so you know it's it's a little bit of a different sort of thing and so you shouldn't take it as as uh, you know he's a blogger blogging about because you know, we we're used to looking at things in the past as if they happened today under the circumstances we have today and you have to remember things were were quite different 800 years ago well, and just addressing some of these ideas is helps people grow um, and and learn to see things differently and think about things differently. Yeah, and it's and that's important, and and it's important to kind of face yourself. When I when I look at some of Dogen's stuff, I I come I come to understand as I work with Dogen more that a lot of the times he's talking to himself when he's when he's writing and and this makes sense because given given what how how publishing such you know if you can even use that word worked in Japan 800 years ago he couldn't be sure anything he was writing was ever going to reach any audience in some cases i think he had a kind of a confidence that it would in it would reach at least his immediate uh, group of monks who were studying with him i think they circulated the works among themselves, but it, you know, the chances of it reaching a wider audience were, were slim. So he's actually taking himself to task. For example, he criticizes people who are too intellectual, but if you know Dogen's history, he's the most intellectual, intellectual there is. So you can see that he's, he's kind of saying, don't be like me. And maybe he's teaching what he's trying to learn, as so many yeah. of us do. Um, and I, I love that. I'm glad you gave us a time uh, frame because also he was considered uh, the first feminist um, in, in Buddhism. And I just want to add as a, a footnote here that I have a female friend who had been a Buddhist nun. And it was the first time that I was aware of women in that role in Buddhism. So talk to us a little bit about his beliefs and how uh, it exists today. Yeah, I, I, when I, when I wrote the chapter was Dogen, the first Buddhist feminist, and, and within the chapter I kind of say, well, maybe, um, you know, applying this word feminism to somebody who lived and died before the concept <laughs> even existed is a little dangerous. You know, and but he was very forthright. There was a, a Buddha himself was one of the first, maybe the first. I'm not sure of the Indian spiritual teachers to allow women to be part of his monastic order. But after Buddha died, uh, things started to change and shift. And and by Dogen's time, which is you know almost two thousand years after Buddha's death, there 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 existed a lot of 
of really sexist, what we would call sexist today, elements within Buddhism, such as women not being allowed to enter certain sacred places and, and, and all kinds of things. Like even women who were Buddhist masters could not enter certain places in Japan because they were considered male-only sacred spaces. And that's the chapter that I'm referring to in the, the section about him being a feminist is where he starts off talking about a slightly unrelated topic and then gets into this topic about those sacred places that women were not allowed to enter. And he goes into a kind of an epic rant about how women are absolutely uh, equal to men in their ability to understand Buddhist practice and to do Buddhist practice. He cites several female masters within the lineage who should be respected. Uh, and, and he goes on to say, he criticizes this, this practice which still goes on today in certain forms of Buddhism where male Buddhist monks are not allowed to speak to or touch a, a woman uh, or even look at a woman. And he says, if anything that could be the object of lust should be hated, then all men should be hated too. So he's, he's, quite, he's quite forthright about this, this idea. And, and so I think retroactively we can look at him as a as a feminist but this might some of these views might account for part of the reason that his work kind of disappeared for hundreds of years and was only really rediscovered really even in Japan in the 20th century it was the 1920s or so about a you know 100 years ago when when Dogen started to be read widely and uh, and we're and we're going to have to end there, but that's a beautiful place to end. I love what he was saying, and I'm so grateful you were on the show. Thank you, Brad. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. And I'd like to thank my audience for joining us for Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you enjoyed today's show, please click on the link to like us on Facebook. Then click on the link to my resources page to purchase Brad Warner's book and to my store to purchase my books. Then learn about my services, including coaching, speaking, energy healing, past life regressions, or to sponsor one of my experiential workshops, such as Overcoming Abuse Through Self-Empowerment, 21 Steps for Healing the Body, Energy Healing, The Om Awakening, and The Ultimate Creative Problem-Solving Process. And if you mention this show, you get a 10% new client discount on my coaching, which I do in person over Skype or on the phone. When you work with me, you get support, guidance, and healing from the spiritual realm. The archangels and thousands of angels and guides of a high and positive spiritual nature work through me and also directly with my clients. My process connects your mind, body, and soul, resulting in faster progress and profound healing emotionally, mentally, and physically. Click on the link to register for my next workshop, Connecting with Your Soul, Moving Beyond Guilt, Shame, and Blame, and go to Calendar of Events and press Click here to send me an email with your commitment to yourself. As you begin to experience success, send me another email so we can celebrate together on the air. Those of you who live in Dallas and want to experience my ultimate creative problem-solving process, go to my homepage on my website and click on the Meetup icon. 
Our next meetup is May 4th. Please join us next Thursday when Donald Altman, a former Buddhist monk, will share mindfulness techniques to clear the emotional clutter that's blocking your fulfillment and transformation. In the meantime, if you have a question about a difficulty in your own life or an inspirational story to share, please leave a phone message at 214-736-4460 or send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. This is Dr. Paula, your CM or chosen mom, as designated by Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. Just let that feeling wash, wash over you and through you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have a positive week. 